Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. to the 191st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a corner post across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Correction, the 2-0 and offensive coordinator, uh, Corey Burton. Uh, and I love the double move. Um, that was kind of like your subtle way of saying that we're 2-0, and so um very nice to be here it was a great opening weekend of college football i mean were the games all that exciting eh, i don't know we'll, we'll find out but uh it's good to have this problem and it's good to be back on the show with all of you so i'm happy to be here and let's get rolling well we can't get rolling without the third amigo in the second city a man who just took a dna test turns out he's 100 percent that dude it's our intrepid blogger from big ten and counting josh cook I'm told it's a reference of some kind, and I have no idea as to what. Thank you for not participating in pop culture, Josh. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, week one in the books. <laughs> we are here to break it down. Big games, upsets, big plays, and questionable coaching decisions. Speaking uh, of breaking, um, Smokey the Dog has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> I, I think one of the, the greatest harbingers uh, of the Tennessee game was that one of uh, the boats in the Vol Navy burned uh, into the sea or burned into the lake or the river or wherever it is that they dock their boats before the game um, up near Neyland Stadium uh, on Saturday before the game even started. And we will be talking about that lovely, lovely win by Georgia State over Tennessee a little bit later in the show. But uh, we're going to get started first with a quick recap of our picks from spread formations last week. Uh, We started off all right. Uh, All of us uh, were on the winning side uh, of a couple of the games. Uh, Wisconsin was a 12-point favorite over South Florida down in Tampa uh, Coach and I had the Badgers minus 12. Josh had the under of 59 and a half. We all win. Wisconsin won 49 to nothing, easily cover- covering the 12 points. And by not allowing USF to score, they easily uh, hit the under. Uh, Florida International uh, was at Tulane. Tulane was a two and a half point, uh, was a two and a half point favorite um, with an over under at 58. I chose the over. I was just off on that. It was a total of 56. Uh, Josh, you were correct. Tulane blew out FIU 42 to 14 coach uh, going with FIU. And that one was not the best choice. Um, Boston college was a four and a half point dog at home to Virginia tech with a 58 and a half point over under um, uh, Josh and coach both had Boston college. I had the under and we all won in the, uh, on that case uh, Ole Miss and Memphis played. Um, and uh, Memphis was a five and a half point favorite at home with an over under of 67 and a half. Josh, you and Corey both took the over 
They combined for 25 points, coming up 42 and a half points short of that 67 and a half point over under. I chose Memphis. To, I chose Memphis to cover, and they did by half a point. I get the victory there. If Finally, memory serves, there was some inclement weather involving uh, Ole Miss not bringing their offense. Well, that uh, Vegas doesn't care about that. They care about the money. Uh, finally, uh, UMass and Rutgers squared off um, in East Piscataway. Uh, Rutgers was a 15-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, me, uh, All three of us, gentlemen, took the under. Um, and amazingly, these team, two teams combined to score 71 points, so we all lost. Um, anyway, well, we all the- won by not watching it. That is also correct. Uh, Josh, you and I both went three and two on the week. Coach went two and three. Um, with that, let's hit our quick slants. Josh, I'm going to throw it off to you first uh, to talk about a little bit of around the Big Ten. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the Big Ten later in the show, but I just had three quick uh, impressions that are uh, kind of minor details that wouldn't be brought up in our larger conversation. The first is Michigan State meet the offense same as the old offense. Uh, a pretty brutal day against Tulsa. Um, Bryler Werke, a 46.6 QBR, not particularly impressive. 300 total yards against Tulsa. And Tulsa uh, they, is not exactly great shakes when it comes to defense. Yeah, they scored three points in the second half. Um, so trouble signs already. Michigan State needs to do a lot to turn things around yeah just real quick three of uh michigan state's four touchdowns were non-offensive yeah that's an issue uh second one northwestern's quarterback issues um worse than i expected i sort of assumed that replacing clayton thorson was going to be hard uh hot shot recruit hunter johnson there's sometimes some red flags about five-star kids uh one is if they can't win a starting job and then transfer and then another red flag is if they don't develop anything, there's opening impressions. There's You can sort of tell if a quarterback has it. For instance, Boise State, we'll talk about that game a little bit. They had a quarterback with a pretty good opening impression. Hunter Johnson, 6 of 17, 55 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and had the fumble that sealed the game for Stanford. Um, is, that, got- is that bad? He got benched for TJ Green, who played a little bit better. Um, but Green has hurt his foot, and he's out a really long time, potentially the entire season, if he needs surgery. So Northwestern quarterback situation, uh, not too soon to panic there. It was pretty bad. And my last opening impression for the Big Ten is it's Akron, but – 42 points and Illinois looking somewhat competent this year. Uh, We'll see if that lasts, but Illinois certainly surprised me by blowing out a team to the degree that they did. Yeah. Illinois was definitely one of the bigger surprises just in terms of the fact that they looked just competent for the first time since Lovey Smith started coaching there. Um, Another team that looked more honestly, I honestly think it's the first time they looked competent since Rod Zook was there. Well, yeah, since Juice Williams was our quarterback. Yeah. 
Um, Coach, you and I were at the Georgia Vanderbilt game on Saturday. We even got to hang out for a minute um, when I was uh, not surrounded by dogs. I mean, if, if you went to the game, you would you would think that you were actually at a Georgia home game, except for the fact the stadium is about one-tenth the size of Sanford Stadium. Uh, Coach, uh, what were some of your impressions about the dogs and Vanderbilt this weekend? Well, observations. Almost first start off with the little nugget you said about the attendance. Um, it didn't really resonate on TV as much as it did when you're actually there in person and you saw that Georgia had about 90% of the stadium would be a fair assessment. And it was like the home team actually had to use silent count because it was so loud. That's crazy. Okay, that's observation number one. Observation number two, Georgia's offensive line is enormous um and uh the the starting right tackle is about six eight three hundred and sixty so pounds Isaiah Wilson and it doesn't get much smaller from there um and it goes across the board um so I thought that was impressive just to see how massive those guys were um another observation Keyshawn Vaughn he's a he's a bona fide NFL running back uh hands down um Observation number three, Vandy is good at open field tackling. Uh, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of catch and, and runs for a whole bunch of yardage. Uh, they, they did a tremendous job of limiting uh, the damage in Georgia's passing game. Uh, I think Jake Fromm did a tremendous job of finding his down low check down routes and, and getting the ball out quick. Vandy just did a great job open field tackling. So it, did, it, it was a it was solid, effective, efficient pass game from Georgia. Vandy just made it look a lot worse because they're probably, I would venture to say, one of the better tackling teams in the country as far as open field tackling goes. Uh, observation number, where am I at? Number four? Um, sure, why not? Yeah, Georgia fans are spoiled, man. Um, <laughs> they are they are so spoiled, and I have no problem admitting that. Um, even Even my college buddies who I went to the game with are absolutely spoiled because, you know, when you can complain about running the ball at nine, ten yards a clip and just mauling Vandy's defensive front, which was inexperienced but talented. They have some talented guys, but relatively inexperienced. But they were road grading uh, Vandy, especially early on. And Georgia fans are up there complaining that we're not slinging the ball around the yard. Jake Fromm didn't come out of there with. 450 yards passing and six touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, what do you want? I mean, 30 to six road conference divisional win. And on opening weekend, on opening weekend. And Vandy was never, ever in the game. They put together a couple of nice drives, but they were never in the game. It was 21 nothing in the blink of an eye. It was three series for Georgia, three touchdowns. And it was, it was never close. And and Jake Fromm dropped a dime on the back pylon for the first touchdown. So it was a beautiful what pile. I mean, I, I read the feedback on, on the message boards, I hear the people around me talking about it. And I mean, that was about as most demoralizing of of that's the most demoralizing thing you can do to another team is just cram the ball down their throat and 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 offer absolutely their make them think there's absolutely nothing they can do about it so that part made me scratch my head a little bit and then my final observation um i don't even know where i was going to go with that um uh, based on oh 
My final observation, um, Georgia's defense is living up to its billing, um, especially with Aziz Ojolari. That guy is the real deal. Um, and I wish Rich, Richard LeCount would stop getting face mask penalties. He's really good at that. Yeah, so, he got a, he got um, a couple of those. So those are my observations. The pass game will be fine. We hit Georgia. I say we, but Georgia hit a long touchdown that was called back to Demetrius Robertson. They fumbled inside the five on another long pass play. Their passing game will be fine, guys. It, it really will be. George Pickens is super talented. He He's going to be the jump ball guy that, that Fromm likes to go to. Uh, D-Rob is going to be the jet sweep underneath, take the lid off the top guy, and they're going to have everything in between. So it'll be fine. DeAndre Swift yeah. is good. Zeus is really good. Just needs to hold on the ball a little bit better, but he's the real deal. Brian Harrion's a tough runner. I mean, they got two good tight ends in Charlie Warner. Um, and uh, Eli Wolf, actually, uh, graduate transfer, did, did a hell of a job coming in and, and playing in some spots. And so uh, they're going to be fine. Passing is going to be fine. It's going to be there when we need it. Don't worry. D-Rob is everything that we want him to be. That's Demetrius Robinson for those keeping score at home. So those are my observations. Those are my main observations. Yeah, um, you know, Coach, I'm just going to jump – I'm going to piggyback off of you there really quickly because Vanderbilt is going to be better than advertised. That team is extraordinarily well coached. That defense is – you know, the fact that they gave up 21 really quick and then gave up nine points for the rest of the game, that tells me something. And the fact that they weren't blown out when they easily could have just hung their heads and had Georgia put up half a hundred on them and they stayed in it. And, you know, coach, you and I had a little cookout last night and we were, we got to talk and, you know, you said that, you know, there's potential for Vanderbilt to be what second, third best team in the sec East this year. And considering the performances of, you know, considering the performances of some of the teams that we're going to talk about later, that is not too, too much of a stretch. No, I mean, I, I think I think the winner of the Florida-Vanderbilt game may likely de- determine number two in the East. Uh, yeah. I think Riley Neal is a good quarterback. I think he's I think he's going to end up being better than Pat Shermer because he offers more – he's more of a threat uh, in, in multiple areas. One of the things that I noticed about Neil was that he seemed to make his reads much faster than Shermer did. He seemed to go through his progressions way faster. I felt like Shermer last year just would, you know, stare down a receiver Mm -hmm. every single time and not move to a second, third uh, option in his progression. And Neil would find his first guy. They weren't open and go for the second guy. They're not open. Okay, talk the ball and run. And th- I think that bodes really well for this Commodore team. They're going bowling again this year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. They're definitely going bowling again this year. And considering the state of some of these other teams in the SEC East, they could, you know, they could be up for a, a mid to upper tier bowl game. So yeah, they really could be. I mean, well, let's go from, you know, two teams that, you know, ha- has a lot of positive takeaways from the first week into two teams that, going to have a lot of negative takeaways i'm going to talk about the sad sad state of football in my former hometown los angeles california it is uh, it's a sad day in the city of angels let's start by going back to thursday night 
my UCLA Bruins laid an absolute stinker in the Queen City, losing to the Cincinnati Bearcats 24 to 14. Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was referred to as DTR by the broadcast about 50 trillion too many times, could not hold onto the ball to save his life. He accounted for four turnovers, two of which were in the red zone. And these were some of the ugliest plays I've seen in a very long time. One time he went to back to throw the ball and literally just dropped it. It was, bad? yeah, it was really bad. The only saving grace for this entire game was the fact that Pat McAfee was on the call and he was a breath of fresh air. Besides that, it was just brutal, brutal to watch this game. The year two of the Chip Kelly experiment is not off to a good start in Westwood. Some of the Bruin faithful are already calling for his job. I would pump the brakes on that just a little bit. They were playing without probably their best offensive player in Joshua Kelly, uh, the star tailback. He was out for the week. He'll be back next week, and hopefully the Bruins will be able to get things in gear and get going. We know that Luke Fickle is always going to bring a strong defense, and the fact that the game was in Cincinnati did not help the Bruins, but still, you expect better than 14 points against uh, an AAC team if you are UCLA. They also get San Diego State next week, which may... We're probably distracted by the sound. I mean, Nipper Stadium probably has about twice as many fans than what normally... As the Rose Bowl? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But, um, you know, they get to play San Diego State next week. San Diego State barely beat Weber State of FCS fame last week, 6-0. So, who knows? Who knows? But... Year two is not off to a good start for Chip, Kelly, and crew in Westwood. Across town, USC managed to do a little better, at least on the scoreboard. They beat Fresno State 31-23 to at the Coliseum, but man, it did not look pretty in the process. Uh, the, the Trojans almost conceded the potential game-tying touchdown late in the fourth quarter, but Isaiah Polomau picked off the Jorge Reina pass in the end zone to end the threat. But what is of bigger concerns to the denizens of South Central Los Angeles is the fact that JT Daniels, their sophomore quarterback, tore his ACL during the game and is going to be out for the year. He uh, was uh, uh, he was replaced by Keaton Slovis, a true freshman out of Scottsdale, Arizona, who was uh, not great. Not great. I mean, he completed six of eight passes, but not for a ton of yardage, had an interception thrown in there. And it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see who lines up behind center for the Trojans going forward. We already thought that this was not, you know, going to be a good year for Clay Helton. His job may be on the line. And if JT Daniels is out, they've lost, you know, the key cog in that entire offense. So expect to see even more Stephen Carr and company coming out of the backfield, but They've got Stanford next week, and then they've got a a pretty rough schedule, at least especially in the first half of the season. They've got uh, Utah at home. uh, Yeah, they've got Utah at home, plus road games against Oregon and Washington. This is not going to be pretty for the Trojans. Um, And so uh, with that, let's head over next to our pop quiz before we hit the deep root. So take out your number two pencils. Uh, bust out your Scantron sheets. It is time for that uh, favorite, favorite segment of everyone. Uh, gentlemen, 
this weekend, uh, there were 19 teams, 19 teams that accrued more than 550 yards of total offense in week one. Your job is to name those 19 teams. And coach, I'm going to start with you. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go with the Sooners as one of those teams. Oklahoma, that is correct. They had 686 yards in their route of Houston. Josh. Well, I didn't watch much of the game because it was Howard, but uh, pretty tough to score 79 points if you're not moving the ball. So I'll go with Maryland. Maryland, 623 yards. That is correct. Coach. Um, I'm going to go on the same token. It's kind of hard to score 55 uh, without putting up a ton of yards. So I'm going to go with LSU. L. S U uh sorry coach uh that is incorrect that is incorrect else you only had 472 yards oh only only uh, <laughs> um i believe it happened for the third time in the ap poll era but the big Ten had two teams hit 70 points on the same day so i'll go with penn state yep penn state 673 yards in their 79 point outing hmm uh, well, we know it wasn't Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> to strike them from the list. We, know we it also wasn't know it two. wasn't Tulsa because they had no. negative 73 rushing yards. My God, that's embarrassing, dude. Uh, we know, <laughs> because I want to laugh at Tennessee again, we know it wasn't Tennessee. Um, let's see. Jeez, I don't even know. Um I'm going to need an answer, Clemson. Coach. Clemson. Uh, Clemson, yeah, that's correct. 632 yards against the Ramblin' Wreck. Uh, I'm blanking on who they played, but I saw Central Florida put up uh, like 60 spot on Sunday. That was yeah. FAMU. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Central Florida, 694 total yards against FAMU. That's a day. Yep. Coach. We'll By the way, uh, Co- Coach already mentioned Oklahoma, or someone mentioned Oklahoma already. I just want to note, Oklahoma averaged 11.25 yards per play. Defense. <laughs> that vaunted Houston Cougar defense. Houston. I, I know we mentioned Penn State already, but my God. That's just a, that's just crazy looking at that score. Um, I'm going to say the Cougs. Which Always ones? a good bet. Which ones? Wazoo. Wazoo is 618 yards. Correct. Who's the other Cougs? I'm sure there are other Cougars somewhere. I just can't remember off the top. We usually call them BYU. Yes, true. Um, BYU did not put up that many yards against. No, that was was not a guess. (laughs) I know. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Um... Well, it stuns me to say it, but um, being a Big Ten blogger, I did occasionally peek into Rutgers and obviously looking at the week for recap stuff. Uh, I I know Rutgers hit over 500 yards against Massachusetts. I can't yeah. believe I'm saying them in a pop quiz. Yep, 554. It's correct. Ooh. They are the 19th out of 19 teams to go over 550 for the week. Temple's got to be one of those teams. Temple is number one, 695 yards. Nice. Um, we are getting closer and closer to the end of my list, which is a little concerning. Um, but I believe in that insane 
back and forth shootout back in week zero. Does that count, Matt? Uh, yes, it does. And I will go with Hawaii. Hawaii had 595 yards. That is correct. There we go. Against Arizona. Um, I'm going to have to say Oregon. No, not Oregon State. I was going to say Oregon State. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State uh, had 555 yards. That is Ooh, correct. Nice. They gave up 36 to the Beavs, by the way. Just nice. so you know. Just in case you're wondering. Uh, this is the last one that I'm confident on uh, because I watched the game uh, wire to wire, but that would be the Boise State Broncos. The Bronx, that is correct. 621 yards against the Seminoles of Florida State. I didn't realize they racked up that many yards, but dang. 621 yards, only three offensive touchdowns. Yeah, they had to do. Yeah, they had a ton of drives result in field goals. (laughs) I mean, what what, I didn't they have like what five field goals in the game, something like that? Yeah. 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 What about what about um what about the Bears of Waco? Uh Baylor. Uh sorry, coach. Baylor only put up 518 yards. That is your second strike. Ooh. Only. All right. Well now I'm uh now I'm kind of scraping uh some teams I'm not as sure about. Um I know they only put up 49 points, but it seemed like it was so methodic. I'm I'm gonna take a stab in the dark with Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Sorry, Josh. Uh, Wisconsin is not in the top 50 uh, for the week, actually. Oh, Uh, Wisconsin's total for the week uh, was 433 yards. That is your first strike. Oh, okay. What about, uh, here's one off the wall. As I look at the scoreboards, just looking for big numbers. Uh, What about UNLV over Southern Utah? The University of Nevada at Las Vegas is incorrect. 534 yards. Just short. That is your third strike. Josh for the win. Oh, boy. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Using coach's strategy, a team that put up a pretty big number, uh, Jake from Georgia. That kind of worked. Uh, Didn't Washington have a ton of points against some scrub? Washington is correct. Five hundred. Well, sorry, Eastern Washington's not a squad. Five hundred seventy yards for Washington gives you the win. Whoa! Uh, well done, Josh. Uh, the teams you guys missed: uh, Texas Tech. How are you gonna like? How are you gonna talk about offense without talking about Texas Tech? Six hundred. Because Kingsbury's in Arizona now. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even see their score. Who'd they play? Does it matter? Yeah, because it's Texas Tech. They're erratic. Who they? I, I, I assume they played. I, I assume they played like Houston Baptist or played, Incarnate yeah. Word or something. First like of that. all, they played Montana State. Second of all, the score was only forty-five to ten. Yeah. Well, somehow, yeah, they, forty-five to ten, but still six hundred ninety-one total yards. Other teams you guys missed: um, Bowling Green. Uh, 600 Bowling Green and Marshall both put up 620 yards. Utah State 596 yards in their loss to Wake Forest, who also put up 579 yards um, in that one. Uh, Josh, your new newly adopted team, North Texas, uh, picked up 575 yards, and <laughs> finally Kansas State 573 yards in Chris Kleiman's first game at the helm of the Wildcats. That's not bad. 
Yeah, not bad at all. Well, gents, let's hit some deep roots, and we're just going to go conference by conference here because there are, there weren't really any marquee games except for Auburn, Oregon. So I guess we we got to start there. Josh, you and I were texting throughout the second half of this game because I left the Georgia Vanderbilt game early to come home and watch this one uh, because it was quite it was much more competitive than the game that was going on in front of me. You left coach high and dry. Yeah, well, you know, we were t- our, our seats were not together. We were two sections apart. You were his ride to the stadium. Uh, no, no. <laughs> thank, thank goodness I was not his ride to the stadium. Yeah, that um, <laughs> but um, Josh, uh, Bo Nix, uh, the legend of Bo Nix begins in uh, for Auburn, uh, come back to win 27-21. But Josh, there was some seriously questionable coaching going on here. Yeah, these are two teams that I can officially write off of winning a conference title. <laughs> They're not well coached. Uh, disappointed in Cristobal. I, I thought he played some very conservative, try not to lose down the stretch uh, play calling. Why does A Bear only have 37 passing attempts to 33 rushing attempts? you have 90 yards out of those 33 rushing attempts. Uh, I would have taken about five to maybe even 10 of those runs and given them to a bear, let your Heisman trophy potential, although that's probably out the window now, um, quarterback, let it spin. And then the biggest coaching decision of all, um, a miracle they won, um, Quite frankly, this was just awful. This is why Gus Malzahn is so, like, mixed, I guess, is the nice, polite way to say it for the Auburn fan base. Um, So they score a touchdown to make it 19-21, to and he kicks the point after. Why don't you go for two to try and tie the game? And then at the end of the game, when they did score, he kicks again to go up 27-21 instead of 28-21. So he forced himself to score more points by not potentially tying it. And then... uh, six-point lead and a five-point lead are essentially the same because the odds of, oh, well, we'll give up the touchdown and then he'll miss the point after is pretty low. Go for two, make it a seven-point game. And with that funky kick return, setting them up at the 35-yard line, there's a very real chance that Oregon could have had a pretty manageable Hail Mary, all things considered, and won this game 28-27 until one of the worst throws I've ever seen in the final play. It went 15 yards out of the end zone. I did like, like what I, I did like what I said to you. I I don't know if you showed this text to coach, but right after that pass coach, I texted Matt and I said, based on his arm strength and accuracy, this is the next quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And he would be correct. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Uh, I did watch I did watch uh a portion of the replay of this game yeah uh, with me with matt and 
a uh, couple observations there. Um, I thought Auburn recovered extremely well from what could have been a game that got away from them because what I said in the preview is that if Oregon can turn this thing into a track meet and keep it there, they would run away with it. And, and it looked like they were going to for a little while because they turned it. That, that's kind of how the game started. Justin Bear, I love that. Uh, Justin, Justin Herbert just – he was hot to start. And then they just kind of fell apart and, and Auburn kind of got some momentum. Uh, Bo Nix is the real deal, uh, I think. Uh, I think he's good despite um, not so great coaching uh, on Auburn's part. But uh, that was a huge big-time throw to Seth Williams there at the end of the game. Um, it seems like all these games are – it seems like SEC teams win games on vertical routes or seam routes or things like that. They don't – you know – it, it, it's weird. Like, it, it's just those big throws like that. Georgia lost a national championship on a big throw like that. And Auburn won their first game of the year this year on a throw like that. So, um, I thought uh, it was really dumb to uh, snap the ball seven yards deep <laughs> to a quarterback on fourth and inches when all you have to do is take a snap and literally – uh, it, it requires the least athletic play of all time. You could yeah, I, I want to talk about that a little over, bit more. I want to talk about that a little bit more because it's there's what five and a half minutes left in the game, mm-hmm. and it's fourth and a foot, six inches maybe for Oregon at the Auburn forty-ish. So they're not going to punt; they're going to go for it, but. A bear has been injured in the previous play. And if you're injured in the previous play, even with the timeout, you cannot re-enter the game. So they've got a backup quarterback in and they're, you know, they're, they're starting to tailback CJ Burdell and they, they've got, they've, they've lined up in, in a pistol with the tailback seven yards behind center. Now, I don't know about you coach, but I would go with the quarterback sneak here if I'm going to go for it or if I, if every, cause everyone in the building knows that they're going to hand it off to Verdell. So maybe go with, you know, a, a little play action, a little naked boot, something, anything, but what they did, which is run stretch to the short side of the field. Yeah. I'm, I'm not running a B gap uh, boundary play out of pistol and fourth and inches. I'm either, I'm either quarterback sneaking and falling forward and stumbling over my feet. Or like you said, or like you and I talked about uh, last night, I'm 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 tossing it to my speed back and letting him race to the first down marker. Yeah, and he probably would have gotten it. Yeah, because let's face it, like the strength of Auburn's team, not just their defense, but their entire team, Josh, is their defensive line. Mm-hmm. So yeah. running it straight into the teeth of the defensive line doesn't seem like the best idea on one of the most important plays of the game. Because no. even if you stretch it, it, you could at least just at any point just die forward and you got a first down. I know. Um, I, I think that these are plays that would have been better to run. The super safe quarterback sneak, like you've already talked about. Take advantage of the aggressive team, a very, very, very quick setting running back screen probably would have been busted. Maybe even this is a little weird, and I know it wasn't with a bear so you rely on a backup but matt you mentioned a play action pass and if you want to get really funky a little jump pass and 
the way Auburn sold out for the run, there's a great chance that play is going for seven and you win the game right there. Yeah. And, you know, you hear it all the time about playing not to lose. And that's what Oregon did. And if you want to just get a idea of what we're talking about, Google a little Fiesta Bowl between Oklahoma and Boise State. Mm. And Boise State, at no point in that game, did Chris Peterson coach to not lose. He had the pedal to the metal, dialed up gutsy, tricky plays that took advantage of the superior athletic team, which was Oklahoma. They were so used to blowing stuff up that they were would over-pursue. They uh, were, you know, ingrained of stopping the Hail Mary, so they hit them with a hook and lateral. They, on the play to win the game, did the Statue of Liberty to take advantage of Oklahoma's aggressiveness. Oregon knows that Auburn's going to be aggressive there. They know that Auburn's strength is their defensive line, and yet they ran right into the teeth of it in a day where they didn't really particularly run the ball all that impressive. So why? Doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. And the fact that, you know, if you've got your backup quarterback in there and you know, you know, Herbert can't go in for that play. Why not? Just, just pin him. Just pin him. They've scored, they've they've scored what? 20, they've scored 20 points to that point in the game. Well, it's it's worse than that too, because um, it took uh, Oregon to figure whatever out. Really, would have hurt themselves in any desperation. Um, Thirty second drive, if they had had that much time. Obviously, they didn't. But had they held Auburn to a field goal and had a desperation drive or whatever, uh, the problem is. They used a timeout to thinking they could get a bear back in. Then they found out, oh, wait, no, he can't go back in. Then they burned a second timeout. Yeah, they used two of their three timeouts to no avail whatsoever. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's just absolutely terrible. So as it comes out, you know, Auburn wins, good for the SEC. And that was about all the good news that the SEC got this weekend because there were there were some losses this weekend that were uh, inexplicable to say the least. Obviously, Alabama slaughtered Duke. LSU beat the pants off of Georgia Southern. Um, you know, Kentucky ended up beating Toledo. wasn't the easiest game of the year, but they still ended up winning by double digits. Same thing goes for Mississippi State, but we have to talk about a couple of teams. South Carolina, Tennessee, and Mizzou. All of these teams lost to inferior opponents when they were double-digit favorites. Coach, I mean, which of these losses was the worst? Was it South Carolina losing to North Carolina in Charlotte? Was it Mizzou losing at Wyoming 37-31? Or perhaps the biggest upset of the week, Georgia State beating Tennessee 38-30 in Neyland Stadium. Listen, you hear, and Matt, I'm sure you hear it too. I'm sure you're not deaf to this, but uh, all the talk about what Tennessee is going to be and oh, gosh. what it, they, they were just built to be this team like they're back, they're going to be competitive. 
And not only to lose to a group of five team, okay, if that's not bad enough for for what's considered to be a program with rich tradition and history, um, to lose to a team that finished two and ten last year, um, a team that was probably uh, a banana peel away from hiring me as head coach with no college pedigree, which I would be, I would go in a heartbeat to Georgia State to be the head coach. But I mean, uh, you'd be going home. Yeah, um, they were. Georgia State last year was awful. We talked about them in our preview as being one of the. Um, I mean, they were mediocre at best in our in our uh, in our Sun Belt preview. I had them finishing fifth in their. Uh, I had them finishing like I think like fifth in their division of the Sun Belt out yeah, of five. And, yeah, I mean that's that's embarrassing. And not only did they come in and beat you, they Tennessee had to put up a cosmetic touchdown at the end of the game to make themselves feel better. Jeremy Pruitt was comatose on the sideline because he was in such shock. Georgia State owned that game. And Jared, Jared Guarantano threw a couple of good touchdown passes. I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit on that. But overall, they looked pitiful uninterested like they didn't want to be there and it god they were awful and they had no depth and they just didn't want to be there and they overlooked them and they said yeah we'll, we'll just steamroll them all we had to show up nope you're wrong you know at least south carolina lost to a power, power five, five team that is in the first year there at least north carolina is well coached because uh, what we know about Mac Brown's pedigree in the staff. Are they? Did you see what happened at the end of that game? <laughs> I was going to ask that same question. Hold on, one one more thing before we we hop listen, over to South listen, Carolina. Listen. My other my other friend, who's also named Josh, who happens to be a UT fan, I, I was texting with him on, on on Saturday, mostly ridiculing him, and all he said back to me was, uh, "I'm not mad. We deserve it." And I feel like that's kind of the state of Tennessee football at this point. They're, the fans aren't even mad. They they know they deserve to be beat by yeah. Georgia State. So let's get back to North Carolina. Yeah, yes. let's talk North Carolina, listen, South Carolina. Listen, listen, they still got a little bit of fedora in them, okay? <laughs> Mac Brown is respected. So, of course, they're going to do some, do some crazy stuff. But I think overall, if you look at the grand scheme of things, they're much better. They're much better coached than they were a year ago. You can't deny that. But yes, at the end of that game, that was that was some some stupid stuff going on. But I mean, come on, South Carolina, you got to be better than that, you know. All things all things told, uh, but that but thankfully Tennessee bailed you out. And then Missouri, I know you have all these distractions of being on academic suspension, uh, but you got a shiny new tool in Kelly Bryant. Um, you got duallyed. <laughs> You got duly. I mean, South Carolina let a true freshman in his first start for North Carolina, Sam Howell, go 15 of 24, 245 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, like, how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Jake Bentley, a third-year starter, looked off. Like, he looked like he was back in high school again. And Josh, like – I, I don't get it. I mean, we all said that the first fired in the SEC was going to be uh, uh, was going to be down at Auburn, but frankly, I mean, Muschamp's seat is hotter than anyone's right now. Well, I mean, 
look, must-have is um, what a lot of coaches are, which is unbelievably stubborn. He wants to be defensive first coach, and he doesn't give a rat's behind about offense. And so with his team up 20 to 9 entering that fourth quarter, Muschamp's going to Muschamp and take his foot off the pedal and not try and add any more points and just try and milk the clock and turn it into a hockey game. And against good teams, that's going to backfire. And against a team that just catches some fire, and let's be honest, that touchdown reception where the kid batted it like 20 times to himself, that was a lucky play. But Muschamp's system puts him in a vulnerable position for lucky plays. Um, The game that I'm most curious about, though, um, Coach, I agree with you. Tennessee was the most embarrassing. Uh, South Carolina's was one of the more odd ones. But uh, the Missouri-Wyoming game, I found just fascinating. Normally, when we see a big upset like this, it's, you know, some crazy moment where a quarterback goes off, like, hey, the Boise State game, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, This was the opposite. Wyoming had a terrible day passing, uh, but they had 297 rushing yards on a seven yard per carry average. And the pokes just hammered them. They had uh, two kids. Uh, One was Sean Chambers, 120 yards and a touchdown. And then Zavion Valade, 118 yards in a touchdown. They had this two-headed monster that just ate an SEC defense alive. And what's crazy is this game was 14-0 after the first quarter in favor of Missouri. So they outscored them 37-17 the rest of the way, including a monster second quarter that Wyoming put up 27 points in. It was one of the weirdest games of the weekend. I don't know what to make of Missouri now. Coach, you mentioned the distractions. That might be the case. But I'm actually going to look at the positives of this. And uh, we love Craig Bowl. We didn't really know what Wyoming was going to have this year and kind of a um, outside of Boise, a little bit more of an open Mountain West. I'm really intrigued about this Cowboys team the rest of the way. Yeah, I really am. I I, I was actually – um, you know, just giving a short form of it because at some point you knew those distractions were going were going to come back and bite them in the bite them in the ass a little bit. And and Wyoming is going to be fun to watch because they're such a good running team. Uh, that's going to almost be culture shock within the Mountain West, to be honest with you, because um, a lot of teams, a lot of the successful teams are like Boise that that sling it around, but. Um, with the exception of San Diego State, but even they they've kind of become irrelevant now since since Rashad Penny's gone. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, offensively they put up some numbers, but obviously they didn't get the stats where it counts. Well, Josh, you just mentioned a Mountain West team, and uh, you mentioned that especially that Boise State team. Let's talk about them. They went uh, into what was supposed to be Jacksonville, but ended up being Tallahassee and beat Florida State 36-31 after uh, getting out to a pretty slow start. Josh, uh, a guy you mentioned earlier, 
is uh, Mr. Bachmeyer, uh, the true freshman quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer. When I was listening to this game, I thought they were saying Brockmeyer, Hank Brockmeyer, the fictional character played by Hank Azaria uh, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in, the, uh, in the IFC program, Brockmeyer. Very great television show if you haven't watched it yet. But Mr. Bachmeyer, true freshman, 407 yards and a score through the air. Uh, Josh, I know you were impressed by them. Yeah, so um, it didn't start great, let's be honest. Uh, 21-6 after the first quarter. Um, took Boise a little bit to get their sea legs underneath them, which is understandable since in the process of moving the game from Jacksonville to Tallahassee, they yesterday of practice. They also at some point had to fly across the country. So a little understandable that Boise had a bit of a slow start. Uh, Florida State took advantage of that. Um, Boise could not tackle anything in that first quarter. Um, Cam Akers ripped off a really long uh, touchdown run there as a result. Um, the running game was working pretty well in that first quarter. And then in the second quarter, Boise kind of figured some things out, got a few drives together. They ended in field goals, unfortunately. Um, but they managed to crawl back and make it 31-19 at halftime, which felt a whole heck of a lot closer than uh, the game should have been uh, based on what Florida State did in that first half. The second half, all Boise State, 17 nothing. They shut out Florida State. Uh, they figured out how to get Bachmeyer some more time. Their pass protection was never amazing, uh, but they did some nice things uh, as well as have Bachmeyer move around the pocket uh, to get at least clean looks to pass downfield, even though if it wasn't a traditionally clean pocket. Uh, then they started to hammer Blackman and take advantage of Florida State's porous offensive line which they have again and Blackman ended up with 25 yards negative for his rushing and a lot of that was obviously the sack yardage put in uh Boise State was so impressive that second half they tackled just like a demo tape it was crazy they you know everything that could have gone wrong tackling in that first quarter they somehow figured it out on the fly and that just speaks to phenomenal coaching. It speaks to the adjustments that they made at halftime. It speaks to how that locker room really plays for each other. There was no finger pointing. It, talk, it speaks to if you take one and two-star recruits and the occasional three and even four-star recruit now and then, but you coach them up, you get everyone to buy in, and you play team football which is the exact opposite of the sense that I have about Florida State, you can do amazing things. I said that if Boise State won this game, it had a really real possibility of going undefeated. Well, they won the game. They played their tails off. Bachmeyer is amazing. A fan in Boise section is wearing a shirt that said Hank for Heisman. I'm not going to go that far for the true freshman, but the ceiling is really high on his career. And there is no reason this team can't be in one of the biggest bowls of the of the year come this winter 
They're Actually amazing. Not. I mean, yeah. Bachmeyer is is one of the biggest recruits they've ever got to come up to Boise. I mean, he is a legit four-star quarterback. He had offers from everyone coming out of high school, but he chose to go to Boise because he knew he could come in and play from day one. And that is what he's doing in replacing Brett Rippon. And he just had himself a day to get things started. Elsewhere in the ACC, we already whoa, talked whoa, about... Whoa, 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 whoa. I want to talk about this. This is probably... Okay, okay, okay. Besides Georgia Vandy that I watched the most closely this weekend. Um, I'm gonna agree with just about everything Josh said. I wanna I wanna make fun of myself for a little bit. I know you guys enjoy that. Um, I sent a text out uh, in the first half, going, "Well, uh, looks like Florida State is actually turning around." And and uh, I said uh, that Willie Taggart probably threatened the team if they screwed it up that Alex Hornibrook was gonna play, so they they didn't want to screw it up, so they played hard, um, and then they fell apart. Uh, they they came off at the, they came off at the seams. It was it was like a slow death, and you saw it just every single time. Cam Akers is extremely talented. I'll give you I'll I'll, I'll say that I, I really am a big fan of Cam Akers, um, and I'm really a big fan of Marvin Wilson um, on the, on the defensive line. He's wearing number 21, by the way, which is also impressive. But um, but as a team, Florida State right now is horrendous. Um, the, and you said it's a sad state of affairs in in, uh, in the city of Los Angeles. I think it's a I think it's a equally sad state of affairs for the Power Five programs in the state of Florida, uh, namely the Big Three, Miami, Florida State are pitiful right now, and then Florida is is trending that way, or at least they're not playing as well as 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 people are making them. But uh, Bachenmeyer was impressive. He hung in there. He took shots. He uh, one of his there was one of his throws. It was it was for a first down. He stared down the barrel of a rush. I mean, he he took a shot but delivered a dime uh, to the sideline for I think it was just a I think it was just like a second and long play. Florida State dialed up some some heavy pressure. They brought they brought a brilliant blitz that I mean it left two guys unblocked and Bachenmeyer just got crushed and made the throw. Got back up and did it again. Uh, didn't get crushed the second time, but he just kept kept going, and that's one thing that impressed me the most. The kid didn't bat an eyelash. He was playing, um, well, what usually is a hostile environment, Doe Campbell Stadium. That was also another thing. Boise State fans almost outnumbered the Florida State fans, and it was actually in Tallahassee. That's pretty telling. That's embarrassing if I'm Florida State uh, that that your stadium was that empty. But um, Brian Harson, man great job on that uh i'm i'm starting to kind of become i don't want to say a boise fan but i'm starting to kind of really admire the way they play because they're just they do it year in and year out they're scrappy they're well coached they're tough they're mentally tough physically tough uh they 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 have grit they they know how to win games like this and and they just they play the game the way it's supposed to be played i've been a boise fan since jared zabransky welcome to the bandwagon it's a fun oh, it's a fun place to be. I remember when Zabransky came to to Athens. I was still a student there. He came to Athens and got annihilated. That was my senior year mm. at Georgia. Came in through like five picks, I think. Oh. Georgia won like fifty-eight to seven or something like that. Some mm. lopsided win. Yeah. At least the two teams uh, scheduled that game. 
Uh, Coach, that would have been September 3rd, 2005. Uh, Jared Zabransky went eight for 17 for 70 yards and four picks. Good memory. Hmm? Yes. Who was the quarterback for Georgia in that game? It was uh, DJ Shockley. And he went 16 for 24 for 289 yards and five scores, added another score in 85 yards on the ground. It was his first start. Uh, Nice way to open things Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, for Mr. Shockley, who had himself quite the senior year. That was an Uh, SEC championship beer. Would have had a chance to go undefeated had had he not got hurt and missed the Florida game. Alas, what? Well, uh, one of the other games that we previewed uh, last week in the ACC was the battle between Wake Forest and Utah State, and it lived up to the billing. Uh, Wake Forest ends up winning 38-35 to on a touchdown with just over a minute left by the Demon Deeks. Uh, Josh, uh, this was an awfully, awfully fun game to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Wake has had some good offensive players go through there. They just had Dorch graduate last year. Uh, he was a good player. Um, the coaching staff is offensive-minded. So the nice thing about Wake Forest is they might not be able to win a conference title very often, but with this coaching staff, they're going to play an entertaining brand of football. And when we were previewing them, we talked about their pretty good backfield. They played as we expected. Jamie Newman, 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks. His running back, Kate Carney, 100-yard day. Um, with that tandem back there, uh, weight can make your Saturdays pretty miserable. Will that be enough to steal a big upset along the way, upset the apple cart in the ACC? Probably not, but they're kind of appointment TV because they are a fun team to watch. Yeah, Sage Surratt at the wide receiver position is a lot of fun. He had seven catches for 158 yards and a score here in the wind. Um, Nonetheless, uh, Jordan Love, the quarterback for Utah State, pretty much did a little bit of everything for them. He had 416 yards of three scores. Also, though, threw three picks, including the one that sealed the game uh, for the Demon Deeks uh down in wake forest territory um so you know that was not a good way to end the game but utah state has to at least be able to take something out of that one uh elsewhere in the acc we already talked about boston college uh beating virginia tech 35 to 28 um over in that one anthony brown looked absolutely fantastic for the eagles he had a clean day 275 yards two scores no picks. A.J. Dillon didn't have his best game there, but uh, still uh, was able to find pay dirt. Virginia beat Pitt in what was not a very pretty game. Um, and uh, elsewhere in the conference, we know Duke got shellacked by Alabama. Uh, Clemson just bowled over George Tech. That's, um, a tough, that's a tough opening game for, for Jeff Collins. That's just uh, – I- well, do I feel bad for him, though, no, because he's a tech? But if he was anywhere else, <laughs> I'd feel bad for him. Yeah, and then Louisville last night uh, got beat up by Notre Dame. I want to talk a little bit more about that Louisville game, actually. Okay, go for uh, it. Just for a hot minute. Uh, I watched it wire to wire, um, did some grading, and it was fun to have it on in the background. And Louisville 
a little frisky. Um, their team that is going to be night and day better than last year, is that mean that they can scratch out six wins along the way? I don't know. But um, they had a really nice day running the ball. Uh, Javian Hankins, 122 yards on 19 carries along a 44. Uh, the quarterback, who had a very up-and-down debut season a year ago, Jawan Pass, uh, showed some things, especially with his feet, two nice rushing touchdowns. Um, I'm excited for Louisville because they didn't quit like they did a year ago. Their defense did pretty good, considering they gave up 50 points like a million times a season ago and settled down after a 14-point first quarter. I think this Louisville team is buying what Scott Satterfield is selling. I think this is a team that can turn it around. And if not a bowl this year, I think they can make a bowl next year. And I think they can become a little frisky because they are extremely well coached. And I'm excited for Louisville. Yes, Josh. And I will use Louisville to bolster my argument about North Carolina. You can tell by flashes in the game and glimpses in the game that they are well coached and they're buying what what Mac Brown is saying and they're buying what Satterfield is saying because they know Satterfield and Mac Brown, albeit we 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 poke fun at at the the latter, um, they do have pedigrees and Satterfield probably um, has one of the better pedigrees, albeit uh, at App State. Um, they still extremely well well respected and he knows what he's doing and so you can tell and it didn't you know 35 17 against Notre Dame didn't exactly tell the whole story but it it was it was punch for punch early in the game uh you know when I was watching it and and they Juwan pass albeit his stats weren't that great 12 of 27 for 134 yards but I mean he looked he looked like a dangerous uh, he looked like a dangerous uh, asset for Louisville, and they're going to be a team that's going to be not only pesky, but they're going to be they're going to be a totally different team. So we're going to look at this game uh, uh, last night much differently. Uh, we're going to look at the, the Louisville Cardinals through a much different lens as we progress through the season. You're going to be like, wow. That was the team that that lost thirty five seventeen Notre Dame. I don't believe it. They're they're the team in in this conference. I think is going to change the most. Um, I I think they have uh, a really high ceiling with Satterfield. Uh, I I think I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be flirting with about six wins or so. I don't, I think that's kind of their ceiling this year. But there's going to be moments that say okay. Louisville is going to stabilize. Listen, if, if that team good. makes a bowl game, I will be – Scott Satterfield deserves to be freaking coach of the year. Just to run through their schedule real quick, Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky, uh, if they repeat the performance they had against Notre Dame, they should be able to win both those games. At Florida State, that is the, like, least reliable team in the conference, I feel like. That might be a fair assessment. Um, so that one, who knows? Boston College, that's a tough game. At Wake Forest, interesting one. Maybe they can steal a game there. Uh, Clemson, don't worry about it. Virginia at home, I don't know. Virginia's favored to win the division, but, um, you know, they're not a world beater. At Miami, 
uh, tough to know after that Florida game what exactly the Canes are. At NC State, uh, tough to know. They played an FCS team. Um, Syracuse, who shut out their opponent but didn't have the offensive day. So, you know, what is Syracuse? I don't know. We'll find out. Too small a sample size. And then at Kentucky, who struggled. So they have some teams that uh, didn't have, like, amazing first impressions of the year. So who knows? Maybe Maybe Louisville can get those two – in-state quote-unquote rivals eastern and western and then uh pick up a couple wins in conference i don't know we'll see well let's move on to another conference in the big 10 josh you are a big 10 guy uh we had a we had a bunch of blowouts wisconsin uh ohio state you know penn state maryland all wiped the floor with their opponents illinois even uh but we did have uh we, we did have a couple of uh much tighter games than expected, whether that was Minnesota squeaking by South Dakota State 28-21 to on Thursday night, uh, Purdue losing at Nevada, or even, you know, Michigan getting off to a pretty slow start against MTSU, Northwestern losing to Stanford. We've talked about the struggles of Hunter Johnson already. Uh, Nebraska, you know, needing – you know, needing the full the full sixty to beat South Alabama, what really stood out to you in the Big Ten this weekend? Well, you know, I talked about it in my quick slant, but um, you know, Minnesota had kind of a no win situation. They're, they're playing that random Thursday night game, so they don't really get the full week of practice. They they don't really get their full walkthrough, and they're playing an FCS team that is pretty good in the Missouri Valley football conference. And this is a marquee opportunity for them. So uh, I'm not going to freak out and say Minnesota is going to regress after winning a bowl game after that game. Um, Michigan state, like I said, in my opening, that one was concerning uh, Wisconsin. I, it was impressive, but I think South Florida might be a festering pile of crap by the end of the year. Um, Rutgers, can't tell anything from Massachusetts. I'm sorry. Hey, I gotta, um, I gotta say this. You yeah, guys, you guys mocked me about South Alabama. I told you they were interesting. Did they not make this game? They at least made the first game of the year interesting. So that for that, well, I, I picked I South. I picked South Alabama to cover. Um, Nebraska's got some red flags about them. I was talking about the season preview. True. Yeah. True. Now they, uh, they might. They might go like one and eleven, but I thought, I thought <laughs> they could still I, be interesting might, at one and eleven. Yeah, they could still be very interesting. They could be a really scrappy one and eleven. Um, but yeah, I mean Nebraska—they're not a complete team right now. When their offense plays to expectations, do they have enough defense? I don't know. Did their defense look good against South Alabama? Sure, but it's. South Alabama. I just, I'm not buying Nebraska yet. Um, uh, I've talked about how O'Leary left the cabinet pretty full at Central Florida. Scott Frost is having to do a page one rewrite with Nebraska. So I'm holding my breath. But um, the the things that I didn't talk about in my opening, um, Purdue, absolutely terrible loss. Uh, Just... Ridiculous. They're outscored 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. They lose 34-31 on a 56-yard field goal. Uh, their running game wasn't particularly good. Uh, Elijah Sindelar 
veteran quarterback, two interceptions, um, not very good control there. Uh, they're absolutely amazing player that we all love. Rondell Moore couldn't buy a touch in the second half. Uh, because of that, tries to make a hero play on a punt. You know what that's going to lead to. He muffed it. And just Purdue didn't look well coached. And that's a concern because this is a guy that we're all really high on. This is Brom and his brother. This is the Brom bros supposed to get Purdue over the hump. And the product this far into their tenure left a lot to be desired. And then the last one, trying to not be a homer, but Iowa, um, terrible, terrible, terrible first half. Um, awful offensively in the first half. Um, some just rookie mistakes by a veteran quarterback in Nathan Stanley. Like on two plays in a row, his running back came out of the backfield and Miami didn't have a single guy cover him. And all he needed to do was flip a little two-yard pass that the run after catch would have been a 30-yard play. And instead, he chucks it deep down the field at his first target, who he never looked off of. And it's just like, what are you doing? I'm hoping that it was just a little bit of rust because the offense looked a whole heck of a lot better in the second half. And the best news of all, their preseason All-American, one of their two preseason All-Americans on that offensive line, Alaric Jackson, uh, had a freshman uh, guard on the other side of the line block his man so ridiculously well he walked him all the way across the line to the Larry Jackson and then when the Miami guy dropped like a sack of potatoes rolled up on Alaric Jackson's knee which is terrifying when you're watching the offensive line thankfully no surgery required it sounds like he could be back in as short of time period as two weeks yeah it looks like it's going to be two weeks uh i, I want to talk quickly about the northwestern stanford game i mean it was, it was about as unwatchable it, it was unwatchable it was a rock fight between two two quadriplegics i mean it was god awful I just wanted to mention that so we don't have to talk about it in the Pac-12 segment of our show. Well, it didn't help that both quarterbacks got knocked out, and it didn't help that one of the most egregious targeting calls they didn't bother to review. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, Josh, you talked about them. They ruled South Florida. Uh, the only thing to take away from this game is, A, Wisconsin's defense threw a shutout. Uh, South Florida didn't cross midfield until about four minutes left in the game. And okay. Jonathan Taylor, two receiving touchdowns. Watch out. Watch out. Uh, let's move on to the Big 12. Um, Josh, you already mentioned Oklahoma State uh, in your answer during the pop quiz. Actually, Coach did. That was Coach, oh, not me. That, oh, that, that was a Coach. Uh, mentioned. Yeah. I am sorry. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, cool. elsewhere in the Big 12, there were not a lot of very notable games except for Houston uh, giving up. Uh, oh, they just, Oklahoma just scored again against Houston, I think. <laughs> But um, I mean, I mean, Kansas, I mean, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas, Iowa State all played FCS teams. Iowa State, though, needed triple overtime to beat Northern Iowa. Josh, that's your home state. Yeah. Uh, what in, you know, uh, what in the Sam hell is going on in Ames? <laughs> 
Uh, nothing to be alarmed about just quite yet. Um, you know, Northern Iowa won the turnover margin. That can sometimes help. Um, they got a fantastic day by a quarterback. And I mentioned that earlier in the show that sometimes when there are these weird close calls or even upsets, uh, a quarterback goes off. Well, Will McLevin from Northern Iowa, I hope I'm saying that right, um, he had himself a day, 25 of 42, 228 yards in a touchdown. And that overtime play he made was just absolutely spectacular. It felt like he ran about 60 yards uh, to throw back across the field for a touchdown. Um, uh, some context of this game and this Northern Iowa program in general, um, they're a little overshadowed in the Missouri Valley Football Conference because there's freaking North Dakota State in it but they are a reliable playoff appearance team. They're really well coached. Um, they were expected to finish like third to fifth, depending on the publication that checks out the Missouri Valley football conference. So uh, they're a way above average FCS team. And on top of that, uh, barring making the title game, or a deep run in the playoffs, getting either Iowa or Iowa State is their Super Bowl. And they've picked off Iowa State before. They've almost picked off Iowa before. And uh, before everyone goes, well, Iowa State screwed because they had a close game, I like to remind people that a few years ago when Iowa made it to the Orange Bowl and had their first major bowl victory since the Rose Bowl in the 50s, their opening day game was against Northern Iowa. And Iowa was super lethargic, looked like it was their debut game, uh, maybe a little uninterested, probably looking a little bit past Northern Iowa, and Northern Iowa came to ball. And it was a back-and-forth affair. Northern Iowa had a chance to win. They set up for a pretty manageable, about maybe 35 to 40-yard field goal as the time was winding down. It was third down, about 10 seconds left. Speaks to being well coached, they say, hey, let's kick it on this down. In case there's a bad snap, something goes wrong, we just eat it, attempt it on fourth down. Iowa blocks the kick. The block went backwards, which meant it was essentially the same as a fumble. Iowa's celebrating, thinking they just won the game, and Northern Iowa player astutely jumps on the ball. Refs talk about it and go, well, they attempted the kick on third down. The block went backwards. That's the same as a fumble. So, yeah, you and I retains possession. So they take their time out and line up for a field goal on fourth down. And by some crazy divine providence, I don't know why, I'm not a believing person, Iowa blocked two field goals in a row. And the second one, you could bet their entire team jumped on the ball, even though it was fourth down and the block went forward past the line of scrimmage. But the long story short is Iowa had one of their most memorable seasons, and yet their debut game against Northern Iowa looked like shaky as all get out. So I'm not going to write off Iowa State. Uh, Brock Purdy had a pretty good game, all things considered. Um, I just think this speaks to you and I, sad to say, because we know that Iowa State has a good team and Campbell's a good coach, but you and I just wanted this game more, and it showed. 
Josh, was that the season that you just mentioned where Iowa uh, finished with the immortal Ricky, Ricky Stanzi words of America, love it or leave it? Uh, yes, it, it is. It's also the season that uh, they lost to Ohio State in overtime because they Ricky Stanzi got hurt against Northwestern, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that was one hell of a season. That was, that was. Well, let's head quickly then over to the Pac-12. Not a whole lot else to talk about here in the Big 12. Um, in the Pac-12 over the weekend, I already talked about the two teams from Los Angeles. We already talked about Hawaii beating Arizona back in week zero. Biggest game, I would say, is the Holy War, uh, which was Thursday night. Utah, BYU, Utah uh, comes away looking pretty good, winning 30-12. to 12. Uh, You. You know, BYU could not move the ball at all. Elsewhere, Arizona State wins 30-7 to in the debut of uh, Jalen Daniels, their five-star quarterback recruit. He looked really strong. Colorado uh, wins the battle uh, over Colorado State. Uh, fighting Bobos, I don't see it lasting too much longer. Yeah. Bo- gonna... Bobos lost the fight himself. I mean, my God, he is he – is... You want to talk about a guy that's burnt out physically? He he he's got to he's got to step aside and take some time for himself, or he's gonna he's gonna die on the sideline. Real real talk. I mean, it uh, is it's getting bad. He wor- he looks worse than Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed in the Syracuse booth. <laughs> God, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is not pretty up there. It is not pretty over there. Um, so, but uh, let's go back to the Holy War. I think this was the game of the week in in the Pac-12. Utah, though, just, you know, their preseason, you know, top 25 team. And, you know, obviously their offense really didn't get a whole lot clicking, only 368 total yards. But, man, Zach Moss on the ground, 187 yards and a score. He looks like he's in midseason form. The senior tailback for the Utes just absolutely churning up the yards against BYU, who could get nothing done on offense uh coach is this the beginning of the end uh for Kalani Sataki up at BYU I don't know I mean Utah's such a good team this year I I, I don't know um I mean you you think so because they became so inept in this game but um, <laughs> they had an initial surge at the beginning of the game in watching this I, I noticed that a Utah did a great job of weathering that storm and just played through it and then eventually Zach Moss got going and they, they, you know, they did what Utah does. Um, but BYU just looked at times really good and at times really incompetent. And so that kind of variety in ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys, as you will, they need to become more steady if they want to take off under, um, you know, under what, Tataki. Uh, uh, yeah, Mr. Mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> K- K- Kalani Shiitake Mushrooms. Shiitake Mushrooms, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really, you know, I thought they had something good with Tajon Williams, uh, but he only had seven carries for 45 yards. I mean, they completely abandoned the run at some point. I mean, he was running well early on. Uh, and then, and then honestly, this game late put me to sleep. Um, honestly uh that that's how bad BYU became within this game so I don't know time will tell because sometimes they're good enough to beat to take down teams like Wisconsin 
And sometimes they just look completely inept and, and blow any momentum they had at the beginning of a game like they did on Thursday against Utah. Yeah, they it, it was, you know, it, it's it's tough for BYU, but Utah, man, I mean, their 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 schedule sets up pretty well. They've got Northern Illinois next week, um, which will be an interesting game between two of the stronger teams in the group of five. But, you know, they, they'll be playing at USC on September 20th. And, That's a win. And, I mean, with, with the state of USC, that's a win. They get Washington State at home. That's um, a blowout loss. <laughs> um, you know, I they're they, they've got one really tough game this year. That's at Washington the first weekend in November. Aside from that, Yikes. every game for them is winnable. Every game for them is winnable, and it would not surprise me at all if you know. We, we, you know, we're, we're coming around in, in, in late October. We're saying, you know, Utah, you know, they're eight and oh, and they're, you know, you know, they're, they're a top eight team in the country. Where did that come from? Well, it came from Kyle Whittingham and <laughs> that defense. Cause it's not going to come from Andy Ludwig's offense. Let's face it. I mean, no. I was sitting at the Vanderbilt game. Well, 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 let the, me the, the, yeah. the, hold on, Josh, hold on, Josh. I was sitting <laughs> at the Vanderbilt game on Saturday and the, the guy in front of me who was, 20-year Vanderbilt season ticket holder said he has never been so happy as when they got rid of Andy Ludwig. <laughs> and I said, wow, that is a sad state of Vanderbilt football, but I completely understand it as a Wisconsin alum. Well, I, I want to give my two cents on this game. First of all, um, I'm going to praise Kyle Whittingham and by extension uh, Andy Ludwig a little bit. Um, in the exact opposite of what Oregon did, which was keep trying to run when it really wasn't working and not let their Heisman Trophy candidate pass it a lot more. Uh, Utah at some point just realized, yeah, we can run it down BYU's throat and they can't stop it. And so Huntley only needed 16 pass attempts and he completed 13 of them. When Zach Moss is running for a buck 87, Keep giving it to him. And so he had 29 carries. That's smart play calling. Um, for BYU, to answer your question, Matt, I think we need to give them another week or two. Um, Zach Wilson had some flashes, but he had two picks. And as a team, three turnovers to none. Tough to really beat anybody losing the turnover margin 3-0. So I'm willing to give BYU several more weeks for me to have a nice sample size. I thought they were a couple bounces away last year from having a lot more wins than they actually did. Uh, they traveled to Reeling, Tennessee next, pick up a win at Neyland. You know, all is right in the world. So I I'm going to give the Cougs a little bit of a chance. All right. Well, uh, that makes one of us. Uh, <laughs> that makes two of us. They're not dead yet. Okay. They're not dead yet. You're right. They're not dead yet, but they are, they're not quite in hospice care, but I think they're approaching it. <laughs> oh God. I think they're approaching it. So, um, Ooh. gents, unless you guys have anything else to add, I think that is pretty much going to do it for us this evening. Well, again, we're not going to, we're not going to discuss, uh, and break down every division two football game. I mean, we, we could go we could go through the full NAIA schedule if you really wanted to. We're not going to yeah, talk about the group of five? I mean, we could. So is, is there so anything let's, that, talk, is, 
Okay, let's talk group of five, Josh. What what stood out to you? Well, there's a brand new segment I wanted to view for the show. Okay, hit it. What you got for us? Each year, it's going to be Josh adopts a random team. And it's going to have a little jingle just like that. And uh, the team that I'm formally adopting... Matt, isolate that, please. <laughs> that's a random... Oh, oh you know I'm going to. <laughs> the random team that I'm adopting this year, I've talked about them before. They're kind of the lovable losers. They got to a bowl game a couple of years ago. They've had some weird uh, mixed results. They had an Iowa grad transfer on their roster at quarterback last year. Talking about, of course, Ypsilanti's heart and soul, the Eastern Michigan fighting, screaming Eagles. Uh, they took on Coastal Carolina and won that game 30-23. to 23. So one step closer to a bowl. Uh, pretty nice day by their quarterback. Mike Glass III had 20 of 22 completion attempts for a buck 88. Three touchdowns, no picks. That is quite a day right there. I am thrilled for Eastern. And they have an interesting game next. At Kentucky, who um, you guys talked about it, had a little bit of a slow start, to say the least, against a fellow MAC team. Uh, I'm not expecting them to win, but they're my lovable team that I adopted, so I'm certainly rooting for the Screaming Eagles next week. All right. All right. I thought you were going to be going for the North Texas Mean Green, Mason Fine. No, they're too good. The, the team that I need to adopt is like a borderline bowl team. It can't be a team favor to win their cup. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, so you're not going with, I don't know, Old Dominion? No. No. Okay. I, th- I, th- I thought that the other team you might be, might be Tulane. Might be Tulane. I think Tulane's going to be too good. I, okay. think they, I think they have a puncher's chance of making it to the AAC AAC title game. Okay. That works for me. That so works I'm, for me. Yeah. Plus, the nice thing with Eastern Michigan is I get to say words like Ypsilanti. I get to add a really long nickname to them, which is now the Mean Screaming Eagles. So, yeah, why not? Why not? That's as good to, That's a, <laughs> as good a reason as any I've heard. It's like so, all of our other dumb segments. Why not? Why not is correct. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it. Did we miss anything? Oh, crap. Yeah. What happened, Josh? Uh, we buried a lead. Seriously, again. We did. We did. I think we How did. does this keep happening? I really don't know, but Arkansas boys, Arkansas boys put together a gem and a half against Portland State. You want defensive numbers? I got some defensive numbers. Portland State held to 16 first downs, two of 13 on third. Don't pay attention to the three of three on fourth down. Held them to 230 yards, just 155 passing with three interceptions, 75 rushing yards, won the turnover margin, three nothing. They forced Portland State into a ridiculous 10 penalties for 85 yards and just 26 minutes time of possession. As you can expect with a defensive performance like that, Wu Pig Suey rolled to an easy victory just dominated them 20 to 13 nothing to see here folks <laughs> arkansas is on fire uh don't sleep on mr rakeem boyd he had himself a 114 yard day rushing the ball and a touchdown so he was the bright spot on a game that was 
Offensively putrid. Uh, the, the word I was looking for was unwatchable. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us here on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast in our week one recap. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in the Music City and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Go Rams. Yeah, that's right. The Victor Valley Community College Rams. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.